Hello, everyone. I'm Warren Smith in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm Natasha Smith coming to you from Pagosa Springs, Colorado. We'd like to welcome you to the Ministry Watch podcast. Each week, Ministry Watch brings you news about Christian ministries as well as the latest in charity and philanthropy, news that we examine from a Christian worldview perspective, and our goal is to help us become better stewards of the resources God has entrusted to us. On today's program, a pastor in the popular Hillsong movement has been fired for an unspecified moral failure. We'll have details. Compassion International reaches a financial milestone. And we have the latest installment in our Generous Living series, the story of a young couple whose financial stewardship motivated generosity in others. We begin today with a massive staff cut at Chicagoland's Willow Creek Church. Yeah, the fallout at Willow Creek Community Church continues, this time uh, with one of its campuses roiling from these unexpected staff cuts. Willow Creek cut more than 90 positions from Willow Creek's eight campuses. The cuts were part of new senior Pastor Dave Demet's efforts to streamline cost and centralize administrative and other leadership roles. Demet eliminated 13 of those positions from a single uh, location, Willow Creek's North Shore campus in Glenview, Illinois, where members there said that they felt blindsided and betrayed by the sweeping changes. Some of the staff who were let go had been working for the church for more than 15 years. What role did money play in the staff cuts? Well, it played a pretty significant role. Uh, giving at Willow Creek is down about 20% churchwide. For those who might need a little bit of background, what is the significance of Willow Creek Church? Yeah, Willow Creek Community Church, uh, once the sought-after model for the so-called seeker-friendly megachurch, uh, is um, in pretty steep decline right now. In fact, you could make a case that 10 years ago, Willow Creek was the most influential and one of the largest churches in the country, but it has recently fallen on pretty hard times. Its founding pastor, Bill Hybels, was accused of sexual misconduct. More accusations stacked up against him and others in the leadership team. Their credibility suffered. Hybels was forced to resign. Others on the leadership team that had sort of backed Bill Hybels uncritically also had to resign. And that led to a domino effect. Willow Creek is now in the situation we find itself today. Hmm. Well, Warren, Willow Creek is not the only organization suffering from financial woes. The recovery of jobs in the nonprofit sector slowed to a crawl in September uh, with close to a million jobs still lost compared to pre-pandemic employment numbers. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that information comes from a Johns Hopkins University Center for Civil Society Studies report, and they found that while job recovery is still Coming along, September's growth was only 1.1% in the nonprofit sector, uh, still leaving nearly a million jobs missing, about 954,000, when compared to nonprofit employment back in February. Um, that's 7.6% of the nonprofit workforce that still remains without jobs. But I thought that jobs were kind of coming back. 
Well, they were for a while. June, in fact, saw the largest jump in the recovery so far, 24.4% job growth in the nonprofit sector uh, in June alone. But that slowed down in July, about 9.1% growth. August, slower still, 6.9%. And now this September report with only 1.1% growth is uh, really kind of discouraging to folks in the nonprofit sector. It may be many more months, if not years, before the nonprofit sector is back to pre-pandemic levels. And I understand that you have news of another well-known Christian ministry that hit financial struggles. Yeah, it's the Gospel Coalition. It, the Gospel Coalition has voluntarily resigned from the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. And when one of our reporters, J.C. Derrick, called them to find out why, uh, they cited financial considerations. The organization had revenue of about $5.1 million in 2018, but a big chunk of that revenue comes from big conferences that they do. And one of those conferences already has had to be postponed because of the COVID-19 pandemic. The move puts the Gospel Coalition among a group of about 80 organizations that have voluntarily withdrawn from the ECFA in the past 12 months. But the Gospel Coalition is probably the best known and most influential of the organizations. Um, The ECFA has also terminated some memberships this year. But overall, uh, the ECFA also told me that they added about 200 members in 2020 so far. Their current membership is still at about 2,400 members. Well, it's thankfully not all doom and gloom. Giving for this year so far has actually gone up. Yeah, it has. A report from the Association of Fundraising Professionals shows that despite the coronavirus pandemic and a decrease in charitable giving in the first quarter of the year, we have in fact seen charitable giving up about 7% over the first half of 2020 uh, when compared with the first half of 2019. Uh, One of the things that was most significant about that report was in the number of gifts under $250, which the Association for Fundraising Professionals shows that many smaller donors have been responding to individual needs as they've been made known. Now, Warren, I'd like to take a look at just one more story before we go to break, and that's another story involving Liberty University. Yeah, Liberty has been (laughs) in the news. In fact, I sometimes jokingly say that for us journalists, Liberty has been the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, The... uh news this week is that Liberty has uh, removed videos of evangelical author and speaker John Piper from its website after uh, the pastor wrote a blog post that was seen as critical of President Donald Trump. Piper and Southern Baptist Convention President J.D. Greer had recorded a video conversation with David Nasser, who is Liberty University's Senior Vice President for Spiritual Development. They recorded that conversation back in a October, uh, the two resulting videos were then posted online. The conversation was actually timed to coexist with the 20th anniversary of one of Piper's best-known books, which is called Don't Waste Your Life, which is, by the way, a book I've read and really recommend. Uh, Greer 
has a new book out on the top, similar topic called, What Are You Going to Do With Your Life? So it was a kind of a great topic for college students. The video had nothing to do with politics. In fact, the videos encouraged students to get involved with church planning and evangelism. However, on October 22nd, John Piper posted an article that didn't name Trump specifically, but was, according to some, critical of the president. And Liberty started getting a lot of backlash because of Piper's uh, commentary and uh, that people were making comments on the videos themselves. So university spokesman Scott Lamb said that they took down the videos because this was just a controversy that they didn't seek out or desire. Lauren, we need to take a break here, but when we return, more on the Blackbaud data breach and well-known but controversial Hillsong worship leader was fired from his post. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host Warren Smith. We'll be back after this short break. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host, Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Warren, let's continue with one of the stories I mentioned before the break, and that's more news on the software developer Blackbaud. Yeah, Blackbaud had a data breach back a few months ago. We've written a couple of stories about that um, on the Ministry Watch website. It apparently has not had a huge impact on the company's revenue, according to recently released financial statements, though the increased investments in security did cut into the profits just a little bit. Um, the software company, which makes database management tools for many of the nation's premier nonprofit organizations, still, despite all of these troubles, remain solidly profitable. Now, for those of you who don't remember what happened, back in July, it was announced that a ransom uh, had been paid to hackers who had entered the blackballed system even earlier in the year, back in February. They weren't even discovered until May. Some Donor data was accessed through the breach, which impacted what BlackBot officials referred to as a small number of users, but uh, required notification to clients worldwide. BlackBot officials have declined to say how many nonprofits had information stolen or how much ransom was paid. Warren, we have one more little bit of financial news before we move on. Compassion International has reached a new milestone. Yeah, it really has. In April, leaders at Compassion International were concerned that COVID would break the ministry's 20-year streak of growth. Uh, major fundraising initiatives, including Compassion Sunday presentations in churches, concerts and festivals that normally take place over the summer, 
all of that had to be canceled. But compassion grew regardless, uh, reaching over $1 billion in revenue for the first time uh, for the fiscal year that just ended. The ministry uh, moved to Colorado Springs, Colorado uh, back in 1980. Uh, many of our listeners probably have sponsored Compassion Children and send those checks to Colorado Springs. But at the time uh, that it moved to Colorado, its income was just $12 million. Today, Compassion uh, works with over 8,000 churches, uh, 2.2 million children, and uh, have been uh, helped by Compassion International, currently 1.9 million sponsored children in 25 countries. And by the way, um, Natasha, I should mention that Compassion International is very near the top of Ministry Watch's list of the 100 largest Christian ministries in the nation. It's number five, in fact, and I'll have more to say about that list at the end of the program. And I understand that Compassion International is one of the ministries working in the conflict zone of Armenia. Yeah, that's right. Some of you may, some of our listeners may know that Armenia and Azerbaijan has been in the news uh, lately. There's a civil war going on there. Christian ministries, though, are banding together to provide food and care to the thousands of refugees that have been victimized by the fighting. Mission Eurasia said in a statement uh, that more than 150,000 refugees would need help amid the death, destroyed homes, and chaos resulting from the battle between the two countries over the border area of Nagorno-Karabakh. The organization is partnering with Samaritan's Purse and other Christian ministries to provide relief in both countries. So far, they've dispensed about 10,000 packages of food that will feed a family of five for a week. They've also given away clothing, counseling, prayer guides, and copies of the Gospel of John. Armenia and Azerbaijan have been in a civil war for decades, but Russia and France had each tried to broker ceasefire agreements back in October. Those ceasefire agreements collapsed almost immediately, and the battles continued. The U.S. also facilitated a ceasefire that lasted literally just minutes after going into effect before both sides accused the other of breaching that truce. Orrin, we have a couple of ministry updates before we go to break, and the first one that you have is from Wycliffe Associates. Yeah, Dr. Tim New is the new interim president and CEO at Wycliffe Associates. Uh, New has worked with Wycliffe Associates for the last 12 years. New's wife, Nancy, also works at Wycliffe Associates, as does his daughter and son-in-law, so it's kind of a family affair for the New family. New took the reins of ministry from Bruce Smith, who left the ministry last month after a series of investigative reports by Ministry Watch. Okay, and that's Wycliffe Associates. And I understand there's also been a high-profile staff change at Hillsong. Yeah, Carl Lentz has been terminated as lead pastor for Hillsong's New York City location. Hillsong's founding pastor, Brian Houston, sent an email citing the reason for the termination as, and this is a quote from the email, leadership issues and breaches of trust plus a recent revelation of moral failures. Lentz uh, had been in the news in part because of the growth of Hillsong's New York location and because Lentz actively courted celebrity members, including Justin Bieber, who he baptized in the oversized bathtub of Tyson Chandler, who was playing for the New York 
Knicks basketball team at the time. By the way, I should mention that Hillsong now has locations in about 28 countries around the world and pre-pandemic was seeing about 150,000 people attend church uh, each week. Hillsong is also known for its popular worship music and conferences as well. We're going to take another break, but when we return, the next segment in our Generous Living series. I'm Natasha Smith with my co-host Warren Smith. More in a moment. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host, Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Now, Warren, as I promised before the break, we've got a next installment of our Generous Living series. Yeah, we do. Uh, it's about Brandon and Ashley Stathis, and they're a little bit different from some of the couples and that we've profiled in the past, in part because they're a little younger. And I'm um, say more about that in just a minute. But first, Brandon and Ashley's story. Uh, when they got engaged, uh, they began asking difficult but necessary questions that all couples need to ask. Uh, they graduated from college in 2009, and and uh, Ashley says that she remembers sitting in a coffee shop with Brandon when they first talked about their personal finances. Ashley kind of sheepishly admitted that she had some student loans, and Brandon said, well, how much are they? And Ashley admitted that she really didn't quite know. But when they tracked it all down, they realized that Ashley still had about $62,000 in student loans from her undergraduate studies at the University of Oklahoma. Well, Brandon was working for a Christian ministry, Young Life, and so he had a fairly modest salary. And he thought that he might have to change jobs in order to be able to pay off those loans, which would be you know, not something that he wanted to do. He felt like he was called to ministry. So instead, that they, they decided right after they got married to live off of his ministry salary, and 100% of Ashley's salary would be devoted to paying off their debt. They put themselves on a really severe budget, food budget of $200 a month. Their eating out budget was 30 bucks, which doesn't get you much these days in a restaurant. Movies and happy hours were, of course, completely out of the question. They also started sort of side gigs. Ashley got a job as a photographer. They house sat together. They rented out their own house on Airbnb. They did dog sitting, just about anything they could do to generate some extra cash and pay off that debt. That's pretty impressive. And I understand their commitment attracted some additional help. 
Well, it did. And this is, I think, where the story gets a little bit interesting. Their obedience was really a powerful testimony to others. Some of their friends, after seeing their commitment, decided that they wanted to help out. They wanted to, in the words of one of their friends, bless them. In 2013, a couple of years into this process, their friends got together without, by the way, Brandon and Ashley knowing anything about it, and they crowdfunded the rest of that debt. Um, these friends surprised Ashley and Brandon with a check at a surprise party. And of course, as you can imagine, both of them broke down in tears. Now today, seven years later, Brandon and Ashley continue to live off of his salary so that Ashley was able to stay at home because now uh, they have four children. Uh, They've paid cash for their cars and other big purchases, and they said they refused to go into debt for anything other than their mortgage. Wow. I love this story. And it's so different from any of the other generous living stories that we've had in the past. Yeah. I want to come back to that because I mentioned that at the top of the story. You know, a lot of the stories that uh, we have been covering in this generous living series have been, you know, quite frankly, uh, Natasha, pretty wealthy people. They they make a lot of money, so they're able to give away a lot of money. And even though, you know, they're living much more modestly than they could be living. I think a lot of us would look at the way some of these folks are living and say, you know, they're not really suffering for Jesus too much. But what I love about Ashley and Brandon is that they really did. I mean, they made a very serious commitment at a very early stage in their marriage to get debt-free. It was a big mountain to climb. And with the help of friends and a lot of discipline and, of course, God's grace, they were able to do it. And that's one of the things that I really like about this story. Warren, before we go today, a couple of program notes about Ministry Watch itself. Yeah, just a reminder that every month we publish a list of the 10 most viewed stories of the previous month on our website. We posted that story at the Ministry Watch website this week. Uh, The list from the month of October includes a couple of Jerry Falwell Jr. stories, a couple of John MacArthur stories, but the most viewed story for the month was our coverage of Ravi Zacharias. And when you talked about Compassion International earlier in the program, you mentioned that the ministry came in at number five on the annual list of largest ministries in the country. Yeah, you know, uh, every month we also publish a list that we curate from our database uh, in November this month. That's the largest Christian ministries in the country. We've got about 100 ministries listed on that um, particular post. The number one ministry was Grand Canyon University. Number two was World Vision. What was interesting to me about that list is that both our list and the ministries have grown. We now have 100 ministries on that list. Last year, we just had 50. And to make the list, you have to have more than $60 million in revenue. That's a lot of money. Yeah, it really is. But I want our listeners to know that we have more than just the revenue numbers there. There's a lot of other great information on our monthly list, including links to the full ministry reports that we have in our database. So check that out by going to ministrywatch.com and hitting the monthly list tab at the top of the page. Those are very helpful resources. The producers for today's program are Rich Rosal and Steve Gandy. We get database and other technical support from Kathy Guttard, Stephen DeBerry, and Casey Suddeth. Writers who contributed to today's program include J.C. Derrick, Steve Raby, Warren Smith, and Christina Darnell. And thanks to our friends at the Nonprofit Times and the Roy's Report for contributing material to this week's program. I'm Natasha Smith in Pagosa Springs, Colorado. And I'm Warren Smith coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina. And you've been listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Until next time, may God bless you. 